This is episode number 67 of the Church Collective Podcast. I got my good friend Fox Watterson here with me to talk a little bit about the things that are going on the site. If you're not plugged in um, with the Church Collective and anything more than just showing up on the website or reading the emails, you got to get here because there's a lot of fun going on in a lot of different places. Um, Monday, Petri, one of our contributors, been a good friend of ours for a long time, uh, wrote a post about being a worship boss or a worship leader. And uh, it's really going around, getting a lot of sharing, um, convicting a lot of people, start spurring up some really good conversation. Um, what else we got coming this week, Fox? Later this week, we have a post coming out on reverb and how to use that specifically for your in-ear mixes. If you have an in-ear mix and you would like to incorporate reverb into that to add a whole new dimension and layer to your mix, Check out that post. It's going to be amazing. And yesterday we had a post from Miles um, come out that uh, is incorporating youth in your worship ministry, which is a really cool thing. And that hits really close to home at, at my church. I'm helping start up a high school youth worship team that's doing a, a service of their own. And uh, we'll have a post coming out for me at the end of the week that's talking about just the core values for that and where we're kicking off. Um, so before this episode of the Church Collective Podcast, we just recently had a conversation, myself, Chris Bellamy, and Adam Dolhanek of our uh, some of our core team members had a conversation with Tim Hughes, which was really fantastic. And if you are a regular listener of the Church Collective podcast, this is fun because we tied in within uh, a couple weeks ago. We talked with Matt Redman, and he explained how he was part of the reason for uh, the heart of worship to not come out for a good year or so. So we got the other side of that story uh, with Tim and heard about his new project and really, like, really convicting stuff about the heart of a worship leader. So we're going to jump right into that interview with the Church Collective podcast, episode number 67. So Tim, thank you so much for um, chatting with us. I'd love to Maybe start a little bit. Kind of tell us how tell us about your new project, how it's going so far, and um, just maybe a story about sharing the new music from it. Yeah, so it's a new album called Pocket Full of Faith, which comes out on uh, Friday, the seventeenth uh, of July. And basically, um, it's been a pretty uh, amazing story in terms of um, the journey of my life over the last year. Um, I've been based in London at a church called Holy Trinity Brompton HTB kind of the worship pastor there and um the last year my wife and i and my family have felt um god calling us out of that into planting a church in birmingham birmingham for those who don't know is like the second largest city in the uk it's uh, demographically the youngest city in europe very sort of multicultural uh city about 1.1 million people and um we've bought this massive building in the bang in the city center all the young people kind of hanging out and um, we're taking a little team and we're on this journey of um, faith really, stepping into the unknown, what we feel God has called us into to really be a light in that place and to reach young people with the gospel. So I think when you do some of these major moves where you feel God's called you into something that feels way beyond your um, skill set and you feel way out of your depth, it's there that you begin to lean into what it means to trust God and have faith. And I think um, as I look through all the songs on this new record, most of them kind of um, unpack those themes of what happens when uh, we as human beings with all our frailties, vulnerabilities, insecurities, um, lean into the perfection and the power and the might of uh of god and um so you know this is sorry this song pocket full of faith is basically you know based on jesus said at one point if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to the mulberry tree be it rooted and planted in the sea and um i guess the modern day equivalent i think of what sometimes is in my 
pocket and I'd pull out my pockets, maybe a couple of coins, a scrumpled up receipt and a plectrum, you know, in the face of things, it doesn't feel like it's going to change the world. But could it be that if I bring that small uh, thing to God, he could do something remarkable? Hmm. And uh, so there's lots of those kind of ideas and themes bubbling away throughout this album. That's cool. Could you speak maybe to, I mean, obviously that's a huge transition to go from leading worship to now you're, you're the lead pastor of the church yeah um can you maybe speak to how that started i know transition happens a lot in worship ministry and in ministry in general maybe talk about the how you felt that stirring up in your heart yeah i think um i mean in many ways i i feel um leading a church is really about um leading worship as well for me it's in, in many ways it's not completely changing what i'm doing but it's just uh obviously it will practically look different i i think um god just began to really speak to my wife and i we began to really feel this desire to um begin to lead a church a community that could really reach out um into you know into the city into those people particularly young people who are not attending church they're not interested and they're not going to turn up on a sunday we're going to have to go out and reach them and be good news and share the good news um and i think the other major thing for me was um you know i'm passionate about worship i I feel worship is everything that we're created for and called to and there's a an, an old um Archbishop of Canterbury used to head up the Anglican Church worldwide, and he once said, a man called William Temple, that this world can be saved from political chaos and collapse by one thing, and that is worship. And I really believe that, that once God's people get the worship of Jesus right, then we'll be changed and we'll become agents of change. And so... Um, it's partly why we set up this thing, Worship Central, to really invest in the worship of local churches, you know, training events, curriculum, courses, websites, a um, whole bunch of different activity events, because we want to see the church alive in worship. And so in many ways, beginning to lead a church as well, I feel God's called me and uh, my family to sort of try and lead a community that can really press on in, step into what it means to be a worshipping community, what it means to release creativity in worship, what it means to centre ourselves around the presence of God, um, and what that looks like when people encounter God and go out and live lives of worship mm. in their schools, places of work. And so it's been a, a long journey of kind of feeling God's call and then getting some training and then, uh, I guess this opportunity arose for us to move to Birmingham and it's like, is this right? Does this feel like it's a God thing? And, you know, you just try and discern, you talk to friends, you pray, and then there's that moment where it's like, let's do it. So it's kind of a whole host of things going on that lead you into this place. Cool. Could you speak a little bit to the the artistry in your church? Like, what does that look like to expand worship beyond just the music? Yeah, I I, I think... um, I think basically, um, I mean, our hope is, um, and we're already beginning to see it, as we begin to sort of um, give space for uh, different kind of creatives to come together, that actually we want to see much more of an organic um, grassroots thing develop. I think so often it can be that you have one or two people at the top who um, make all the decisions and it becomes a kind of, top-down thing of this is what creativity is going to be look 
going to look like. And actually, I wonder if there's something really exciting about just getting a bunch of creatives, whether it's artists or musicians or um, people who are so good at crafting words, filmmakers, um, dancers. And um, let's just begin to meet together, build community. Let's begin to try and reach out to other artists um, in the city who might not be connected with church. And, and maybe then there's a couple of big projects. You know, what what could we do, you know, a, a Christmas service or... Um, all of that kind of stuff, and you know, one of the things we we um, a phrase we've we've had a lot is um, that we want to be a community that dance upon injustice. Now, I'm not a great great dancer, but for whatever reason, it feels like there's loads of dancers who've begun to gather mm. in our church. And how do we um, release them to dance in a way that is inspiring, in a way that draws others in, and, and in a way that actually is a prophetic act? That there's more than just oh that looks good. It's actually believing that as they're dancing, they're um, in the same way we believe worship and music is a spiritual activity. That their dance is a spiritual thing, bringing breakthrough. So I think we're just gathering these creatives and just seeing what begins to bubble and emerge from that. Hmm. Hey Tim, um, how do you feel about the current state of worship as far as like style um, and where it's at, and, and where do you see it going in the next couple of years? I, I think I think we could definitely be more bold, um, and I, I definitely think um, there's something I um, I'd love to see more of that real kind of guts. I think um, sometimes it can be quite easy to get sort of stuck in familiar themes and familiar words and. And I think there's something about um, actually, maybe even, dare I say it, um, at times in the church, an over-professionalization of worship. You know, so many people now becoming a worship leader has become a career, and you get these musicians who are paid to go from church to church. And it can, the danger is it loses a sense of guts and realness and rawness. Um, and I, I think one of the things... Um, we're certainly seeing in the UK a more and more kind of almost these independent projects, these kind of um, community gathering and just beginning to write and releasing music that's um, perhaps not so commercial, not songs that you'd obviously naturally think, oh, I, I use that on a Sunday. But they're, they're becoming a beautiful expression of of worship for a community. And actually, um, I think that's start to reach out further beyond those kind of just those particular locations and i think one of the things we need to do is create much more space um for for creativity and, and much more um risk you know have play we, we often call think about it as this having in a church having um air you know it might not be on a sunday morning where you've maybe got a few hundred people turning up and you don't want to be completely experimenting on everyone every week but where are those places perhaps you know a tuesday night where you gather 20 musicians and some creators where you just um try different things you kind of um give people freedom to do things totally differently and where you just see what bubbles up and actually it can be a safe place to experiment because if it goes horribly wrong you don't lose anything and actually um i wonder if more and more amazing things will begin to bubble up from those kind of just spaces to express and that then maybe begins to feed into more the heart um of our churches so i think in terms of where worship's going i wonder if we're going to see much more of just that local 
independent, um, organic community expression, which will bubble up and hopefully um, begin to go further afield. Tim, can I um, ask you to expand on the community idea a little bit? Because I, I actually lived uh, for four years in Manchester, and okay. so I know Birmingham, I know London. Um, yeah. But if you're if you're leading worship at a, a church in a village, you know, outside of Leeds, or you're over here in America, you're like in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. And and you hear you know creatives, and you're like, well, sure, in London, in Birmingham, in Chicago, in L.A., there's a lot of creatives, but where I live. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we're simple folk or blue collar folk. And, um, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing where, um, I, I just wonder if you could talk about, uh, how basically the music of the church internationally and on a big scale is coming out of major creative centers and fitting that into a local context or not. Yeah, I, I think it's a really important question and, and creativity and the level of creativity is going to vary from church to church. I, I think, um, I think it's important that every local church, however, you know, whatever the kind of people, you have leaders there who are very much thinking about the context in which they're leading. And sometimes I wonder if the danger is that you um, you observe another, you know, you, you look at Hillsong and think, okay, well, that's how we need to do worship. Or you look at Passion and think, okay, that, you know, we'll, we'll take that and we'll just copy that. But actually, you forget that, all of these ministries, Bethel, Passion, Hillsong, there have been years and years and years of thinking through how and why they do things, the culture, the values, the ethos. And um, and actually, I don't think that kind of copy and paste model is necessarily the best way forward. Now, there's so much to learn, so many resources to take. And as you said, some churches, they might not have um, great songwriters or great musicians who can really find kind of crazy new ways of expressing music. But I, th- I still think even if you're kind of taking songs from elsewhere or styles, that you're also considering, well, what are the resources we have? Who are the musicians? Who are the people? What are the kind of style that is going to really serve them and help express um, this community's worship? So I think any great leader, you'll have a vision for where you want to go, but you'll also be aware of where you're starting from. And the context and how you um, lead um, in terms of your community is really, really important. So I think that's something where um, all churches need to be thinking how we, where we start from and how we keep moving people forward. We, we, you know, we all need to be on a journey moving onwards and forwards. And speaking of moving forward, um, you know, and Chris asked about where things are going. Um, what about how have you? You know, I remember when when uh, here I am to worship, and you know, the first your first couple records just got huge, and then you know to the new record, Pocket Full of Faith. How, how have you navigated the trends and stayed who you are, but kind of also moved forward at the same time? Because I think it's a big challenge for a lot of musicians. Absolutely, I think it's um, it's about being around people who will continually inspire you. And um, it, it's um, also, I, th- I think, for me, with it, with this new album, Full of Faith, it's, it's been about um, digging deep and trying to write songs that almost um, are ministering to me. And I think sometimes the danger can be, you know, you you have a couple of songs that do well, and you think, okay, well, that's the formula. I've just got to keep, you know, for me, if my my aim had been. I've just got to. I've got to write another song as big as here. I'm to worship, or you know, those, those songs are rare. They just kind of 
you know, it's crazy how sometimes these things happen. So that, that, and I think that's the wrong starting point. You know, I've got to match that. I've got to beat that. For me, it's, I've got to, I've got to, um, try and find a way to articulate my worship to God and to be really honest and real. And, um, and then, you know, what are the music and musicians that are in, in my life, the kind of friends that God's placed around me that are helping to shape this sound and to be real to that and almost um, trust that if it's going to bless me and speak to me, that it might be an encouragement and speak to other people. Um, and so I think that's something about if you can keep that honesty and find that kind of worshipful expression, um, I think you've got a better chance of um, keeping moving on, not getting stuck, not just trying to replicate what's gone before. But it, it's a challenge. And there's you obviously at times you have to be really intentional in that. You know, finding other musicians, people around you who keep stretching you. For me, perhaps it's writing with different people who write in a different way and bring a very different flavor or edge to the songs. That's good. I got to jump in since um, Adam mentioned here I am. Excuse me, Adam mentioned here I am to worship. Um, yeah, we were talking to Matt Redman on a couple of podcasts back, and he had mentioned yeah. that uh, he was part of having you keep that song on the shelf for a little while, which is just kind of a <laughs> funny story. Could you maybe give us your side of that story? Yeah, yeah. When Matt tried to sabotage my song, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Matt has been. Um, you know, we've grown up together. It's been a massive, massive encouragement to me, and uh, continues to be so. Um, I, I played in this song, and I, you know, I was, I was studying at university history. You know, I was just messing around writing songs in my bedroom, and I had this song, and um, I played it to him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it's um, you know, maybe you could just take the chorus, and maybe it could be a little bit of a tag, um, you know, throw it at the end of other songs. Um, maybe it's a bit too hymnal." Um, so I was like, "Oh okay." Um, well, maybe you're right. So I kind of sat on it for about a year. Um, and then um, I was using all these other songs. And, and then I was leading at an event. And uh, we were, Matt and I were both working for this guy called Mike Pilavachi. And I, I just played it at the end of a service. And um, just thought, look, I'll just give it one go. And Mike Pilavachi came up to me and said, what is that song? I said, oh, it's a song I wrote a while ago. He said, you're going to play that song every sunday for the next year um and he said that's gonna that song will go all all over the world hmm. um and so i was like oh okay well let's see and sure enough you know <laughs> that's funny. mike was right and matt was wrong <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny uh, tim uh, i'd like uh, oh, uh, I, i'd like to ask because i think you're kind of in a unique position with what you're doing now in birmingham um one of the things we hear a lot about is the tension between uh, leadership or the lead pastor, the preaching <coughs> pastor, and the worship leader. And um, we, I see a lot of questions on forums. We get them personally about submitting to leadership. So I wonder if you could speak as somebody who's been a worship leader and a worship pastor for a long time, and now you're transitioning into the lead pastor role, if you could speak to that, um, that whole issue. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's such a key relationship. And you know, when I, when I look at churches that are really flourishing and thriving, I think often you see that there's a real synergy with that with that friendship. Because actually, you know, the, the, 
the expression of worship for many churches, you know, the a big majority of a church service is spent in sung worship. And actually, um, it's the music and the songs that are shaping people's theology and understanding of God. So there really needs to be a, a good link together. I, I, I think where there can be um, often um, misunderstandings is through lack of communication. I think sometimes senior leaders, they've got so many other things going on that they just don't think to feed back. Or perhaps because they're not musical, because they don't feel that they can articulate why something works or doesn't, they feel a bit, um, I'll just keep out of it. But then what the worship pastor thinks is, well, I'm getting no feedback. They're not into it. They don't believe in it. Um, you know, I always feel like I'm being asked to lead less and less. All the focus seems to be on the pre, you know, and, and then this kind of narrative begins to develop and these um, wedges between the two begin to um, come in. And I, and I think the most important thing is to really try and um, fight for that relationship, you know, almost you've got to choose not to take offence. You know, I think that's why I've really worked on as a worship pastor. I'm, I'm going to choose not to be easily offended and I'm going to choose to serve and honour the pastors um, I've worked under. And I think as I've done that and as I've really tried to um, celebrate the leaders and encourage them and defer to them, it almost then gives you much more of a, a right to then speak into their lives and to challenge and to ask um, and to give a viewpoint around worship and actually the other thing I think I found Bill Hybel's book on Courageous Leadership really helpful when he talks about the compass and the different levels of leadership and those who um, actually you, you lead from a position of being under someone's authority. And I think for a lot of worship pastors, there are times when you need to lead um, your senior church leaders in worship, but from a p- position of deferring. And so I've noticed with, um, I've worked with this amazing man, Nicky Gumbel, for 10 years. And I've learned that actually sometimes um, I've, I've had to really try and understand the way he thinks. And um, if, I, if I've felt really strongly about where I think the worship should go in the church, to almost come to him and present a, an argument or a reason for why I think this in a way that he's most likely to get inspired by. You know, so he's a lawyer. So the, what works for him is, you know, five key points that show you've really thought this through and you've really collaborated and talked to others. You know, so it's not manipulative, um, but it's more actually just trying to learn how to to lead well and to envision really even those that you're you're working under, and yet you do it with a sense of humility and a sense of open handedness and a sense of if you disagree with this, then that's fine. I still will honour that and support you. So I think those kind of Working at those friendships and being open and honest, but also ultimately deferring. Um, and I think for senior, senior church leaders, I'm thinking now, you know, <clears throat> we've got this amazing lady, Anna Hellebrunt, who's going to be our worship pastor. And, you know, I, I want to cheer her on, champion her. I want to give her space to mess up, um, space at times to step into things that I, I'm not so sure, but... I've got to give you space to grow as a leader. And that's that's difficult. But I think sometimes if you want to see great leaders flourish, we need to let go of the control and give people an opportunity. Hmm. That's stellar. So cool. To, to wrap this up, we asked our, um, our community page if anybody had any questions. And most of them are fixating on this question, which I think will be fun. So they're asking if you are Team Iron Man or Team Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> well, being a Brit, I probably <laughs> would have to go for Iron Man. Um, I have a feeling. <laughs> yeah, but 
It's a close. It's a close call. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for the conversation, Tim. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This thank you. Stellar, stellar stuff. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, head over to thechurchcollective.com and connect with us. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, we really want to connect with you. And if you're just listening or just reading blog posts or just downloading presets or looking at a tutorial or something, you're really not getting the full experience of the Church Collective. It just it blows me away to be able to daily connect with different worship leaders and musicians and techs and creatives all over the world um, just to pray for them, just to talk with them, just to be encouraged by them. Um, it's just it's incredible. We are here for you. If you have any questions about anything that you see, read, hear on our website, please reach out to us. Shoot us an email with the contact form. We'll be glad to get back to you as soon as we can. Thank you so much for listening to the Church Collective Podcast. Oregon!